Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, you're listening to a bonus episode of Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, where we're discussing Ride the Eagle and the writer-director Trent O'Donnell drops by for a chat. I'm Timmy Fland, movie buff. And I'm Lee Livingstone, entertainment journalist. And we love to talk all things movies. And we are talking Ride the Eagle, which follows Leif, who is left with a conditional inheritance when his estranged mother, Honey, dies. Before he can move into her picturesque Yosemite cabin, he has to complete her elaborate and sometimes dubious to-do list. Ride the Eagle is directed by Trent O'Donnell who's an Aussie director and creator of A Moody Christmas, working in the US on sitcoms including A Good Place and New Girl. Screenplay is by Jake Johnson and O'Donnell, and it stars Jake Johnson, Susan Sarandon, Darcy Carden and J.K. Simmons. One of the best, like, small ensemble Mm. casts that I've seen in a long time, right? Can't wait to delve into their performances. So we invited Trent O'Donnell on Popcorn Podcast to talk about making this film with his mates, Jake and Darcy and the surprising freedom and fun times of filming during a pandemic. So we will throw to Trent throughout uh, our Mm. interview for you. Yeah, so as we just mentioned, Trent and Jake got together during the pandemic, put their own money down and just made something special. You know, they went right back to basics and made this movie. And what's great about the circumstances of, you know, being forced to do it during a pandemic and get creative 
is that they had total creative freedom and could get back to grassroots filmmaking. Yeah, you said the word special in that little intro Mm. and I couldn't agree more. You know, the context in which this story was made is really poignant and it's quite a wonderful one. You know, in a time when the whole world was disconnected from one another physically, here was born a story about reconnection. Mm. And even still now, us, you know, Lee and I live in Sydney, uh, we're still in the throes of lockdown. So I think that the word special in relation to this movie kind of resonates a bit deeper for us. What's really fantastic and I guess a silver lining of the circumstances that we're in, if there is any, is that creatives have the time to step back and just get back to basics and do what they love. And that's exactly mm. what Trent and Jake and the ensemble cast have done here with Ride the Eagle. Yeah, it's like looking at your peripheral vision and identifying little passion projects, you know, mm. just over there in the shadows that you otherwise might not have yeah. been too close with. And I think that's what Trent yeah. and Jake and the team have done. You get off the hamster wheel so to speak. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. that's right. And the circumstances also meant they got creative with filming locations. So there are scenes filmed in Trent, the director's own house Mm. and at Jake's family cabin out at Yosemite National Park and Susan Sarandon even filmed in her own house. Yes, and that leans into how contained this story is and having to work with like really significant elements of the story being told through really simple measures like video messaging and conversations over the phone. And I think that within their circumstance, they chose those creative avenues to bring this really unique story together within the own, their own limitations. Uh, it was very clever. So before Lee and I jump in to discuss more about the story and the script, let's hear from Trent on the creative ways they filmed Ride the Eagle during the pandemic. Do you want a gun? No, should I? No, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, we had Zoom meetings and then we also were sort of in each other's bubble, I guess. This was a time when we were both just bunkered down with our family. And so we would meet like at one of, you know, either he'd come to my place or I'd go to his place. And we were we would sit outside, wear masks and sort of like break it that way a little bit, as well as a lot of Zooming, a lot of Zooming. And once we had our cast, we sort of did another pass of the, of the script where we would do like Zoom read-throughs and things like that. Is it true that Darcy filmed in your own house? Yep. We basically used everything we had available. And it was actually how the whole film started, as opposed to it wasn't like one of us said, hey, I've got this great idea for a movie. Do you want to do it? It was us getting together and going, we might be in lockdown for a long time here. Like every all the projects that we were both working on collectively were, were, were sort of put on hold. And so we just sort of thought this could be a nice thing to, to go and make something that we want to make. And we missed just hanging out and making things together. And so the first sort of part of the process was we got together and went, all right, we're going to make a movie. How can we do it during this time? And what is the story going to be? And so the first week was just kind of like looking at things that were possible. And we looked at the locations that we had. So it's like we shot at my place, Jake's place. Uh, the cabin is Jake's and the the other cabin is his in-law's house. The dog is Jake's. Um, there's so much of it that we just got from like our own little worlds. We started with the story and then we just kind of like developed it and we, we made it better and richer and kind of added more elements to it as we wrote. So rather than being restricted, it was actually quite a fortunate turn of events in some ways. <laughs> in some ways it was. The things that were, were kind of great about making something at that time was, well, one, the casting was 
easier than it ever is because everyone was available. No one was doing anything. And then just once we decided to make it ourselves, we didn't have to give notes to anyone. We didn't have to take notes from anyone or we were only sort of beholden to each other in this sort of like commitment of like, we put a bit of money into it ourselves and we're going to make it. And that gave us enough momentum to just be, to just keep on with it. Because so often, you know, you develop ideas and they just don't, you don't get to that finished product because it gets lost in development or you'll, you'll, you'll send your script in and then you, you get notes two months later and then by then you go oh now i'm doing this other thing and things lose momentum and so that's what we were very cognizant of just being like let's just keep going i didn't really know my mom this list could be anything such cool stories there tim from trent about filming it's great to hear now in terms of the story it doesn't feel wholly original we've seen versions of this before estranged you know mothers sons fathers daughters whatever but the script felt really natural here and I wonder if that comes down to this you know fabulous comedic ensemble cast who are good improvisers oh yeah do you reckon there was a lot of improvisation in here because I was going to ask you that I don't know about a lot but some of it did feel improvised and what I liked was you know, sometimes when improvisation comes to play, it just goes on and on. Like the editing needs to be tighter to cut it off. Mm. And here it felt like just enough. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, you mentioned that this story wasn't particularly, you know, new and, oh my gosh, what great territory. But I think that there was a really interesting and fun premise here Mm. and it's ripe for making storytelling like this more interesting is that the whole conditional inheritance thing, Mm. you know, Honey passes away, leaves mother, and she leaves him in a conditional inheritance that he has to do all these tasks in order to get her cabin in the Yosemite National Park. And I just found that a really, really clever and interesting, fun premise. And I really admire that he tried to do all the things on the list, didn't he? He gave it his best shot. But given what we knew about the character... Is it believable that he would have just jumped straight in and done all the tasks? That is a very good question because he's got a very complex relationship with his mother, right? And Mm. you find it strange when you learn about their estrangement that why, yeah, he would just be so quick to jump onto these tasks. I guess that brings it back to this beautiful theme of reconnection Mm. and, you know, taking a different path in life when something's different and big, you know, Mm. happens like like a death in the family. You know, his mother, Honey, left him when he was a boy, right, to Mm. join a religious cult. So it's pretty heavy stuff, really, that he's dealing with. There was a bit of a plot hole there that sort of jumped out at me that if they weren't in touch for all these years since he was a kid, how could she presume to know what he needed? Was she keeping tabs on him? Yes, maybe. As you get to know Honey, Mm. I would believe that to be true, wouldn't you? That she would kind of just have that fly on the wall sentiment about her and she'd extrapolate detail, if not directly from someone, but through, you know, all their branches off in their life, which is kind of a bit fun about her in of itself. Despite the darker sort of subject matter of the backstory of Honey and, you know, the relationship between them, the screenplay was kept quite light, wasn't it? There were there were yeah. opportunities to dive deeper while keeping the humour, but I felt like it shied away or broke the tension when things were getting too real, except at the end when he finally breaks down, when Leif finally, you know, deals with his emotions. But I wonder if that comes back to when I spoke to Trent, he said he wanted to explore the more realistic grey areas of family relationships. And I wonder if that's trying to keep it real, you know, 
a lot of the time when you're dealing with family issues, you don't have massive breakdowns and huge revelations like you would in film. Yes, and there are plenty of films that lean into all of that and this one did kind of strip it back and grounded in a little bit more of relatable reality, I guess. Mm, And there are a few really tender moments that, to your point, you then, oh, shift focus and it's a little bit funny and it's a bit distracting, you know, because it is hard to deal with things. And I think that this film highlights how we all deal with loss and incoming grief you otherwise didn't expect to feel. And I think that's Mm. what Leaf was dealing with. And there was a really, really powerful moment, very brief, you know, when Leaf first goes to the cabin and we see the bed that she slept in and it looked like how she last slept in it. Mm. You know, the covers were overturned. It was kind of like that's where she lay and no one had made the bed since or stripped the bed. It was just like you could almost – feel her laying there yeah yeah which is really beautiful and sad but then you know it goes into funny territory and you forget about it (laughs) well Trent has some great insights on where the inspiration for this story came from and what he hopes the audience gets out of watching it so let's take a listen to that be the predator not the prey kind of not being defined by your by your history or the things that that happened to you which is you know, stuff that's very prevalent in both Jake and Jake and my sort of extended families. You know, I I'd look to my own parents who both had like really tough, like arduous, horrible childhoods in, in many ways, but then weren't defined by that and 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 went on to kind of like overcome those things and also not to dwell on them too much and not to take things too seriously as well. And just kind of you can get stuck in in looking to the past too much. <laughs> Sometimes life is messy. It doesn't go as you plan, but it's not over. Let's talk about the characters and performances here, Lee. I adore Susan Sarandon so much. Who doesn't? She's fantastic. And she was every boomer ever at the opening of the film, like setting up the camera and like (laughs) just kind of fumbling around with it. So I felt that very relatable for for the boomers out there. I mean, it goes without saying that both Susan Sarandon and J.K. Simmons are brilliant actors of their generation. It's just such a shame that they couldn't have scenes together. I know. Wouldn't that have been great? I know, but they offer so much still in their own siloed context. And, you know, I really felt from Susan Sarandon's character, and a lot of it has to do with the writing, but a beautiful performance as well, that she was being a mother for the very first time even though she was mm. like no longer alive. And I found that really powerful. Mm. It was the only way she was ever going to have a relationship with her son. And the only way that she could do that was to talk to him when she was dead. I'm like, oh my gosh, like it's full on. Did you find at some points during the film that there was going to be a big reveal that she wasn't really dead? It seemed like something Honey would do, like fake her own death, do all this, and then at the end be like, oh, hi. <laughs> You know what, now I'm kind of disappointed that that wasn't the case because that would have been fucking brilliant. But uh, yeah, no, I agree. That definitely could have been a pathway this film took. I want to talk about Jake and Darcy for a second here. They Mm. haven't worked together, I don't think, before, you know, uh, Darcy Carden is from The Good Place. Jake Johnson's worked on New Girl and that's the relationship that they have with Trent O'Donnell separately. But I'm a huge fan of Darcy Carden's ability to switch from humour to nuanced emotion. She's an extremely, extremely talented comedian and actor. Oh, yes. And 
another performance and actor that it's like, oh my gosh, I just want to be best friends with them. And I think Mm. they'd be great to share a meal or a drink over. She's so charming, so clever and a very challenging role for her, I I guess, in that Mm. her whole performance was given over a phone. Yeah, You know, that's not normal. And the fact that she connected with you so so well there and you found her very funny was testament to her ability. One thing that's really interesting is that Jake Johnson made himself available to be having those conversations with her most of the time. And there's a really funny story that one of the times of all the times that Jake wasn't available, it was the phone sex scene and Trent had to step in for Jake Johnson during the phone sex scene. That's like my favourite part of your interview with Trent. Yeah. I was just so fucking, oh my God, I can't believe that was the, the situation. It's too good. Before we throw to Trent, is there anything else we want to say about Jake's performance? Because we generally see him in the sort of loser boy, dishevelled man-child kind mm. of roles. And here he's a kind of a version of that. You know, there was depth there that I really enjoyed. Yes, I think there was a real uh, sentiment of endearment with him, mm. with Leaf, with his character and his performance. Deeply relatable again, which I think that this film achieves really well. And also uh, one of my favourite relationships in the film was Leaf and his dog. Yes. You know, he always talked to him, had an ongoing conversation and it was almost, it was his confidant and it was his actual real dog, I believe. Oh, really? Yeah, Jake's real dog. So then you really get a sense that that connection is yeah. is real and I think that served the story and his character beautifully. One thing I really would have liked to have seen more of though was Jake being able to lean into those more emotional moments and just really go there, but that came down to the story being kept light. Yeah, I agree. That would have been beautiful to see. So clearly Lee and I really adored the characters in this film and J.K. Simmons in particular is this real burst of brilliance. So let's hear from Trent on working with J.K. Simmons and getting the legend that is Susan Sarandon on board. I'll tell you a lot of stories about her. She had quite an appetite. She was a very, very sexual animal and that's probably not what her son wants to hear, I guess. Susan Sarandon was definitely who we had in mind for, for Honey and was kind of like, she was kind of just our ambitious sort of like, wouldn't it be great if we got Susan Sarandon? And then we were just sort of like took a swing, thinking we might get her to read it, but we had no expectations of her doing the movie. We were going to get more realistic after that. And J.K. Simmons is someone that I've worked with a little bit as well. He's just such a powerhouse. He's so he's so wonderful. And he made the mistake once of giving me his email address. And so I just emailed him directly. And like, I didn't go through it or anything. I just sort of asked him to do it and yeah again he was just so he was available was it a bucket list item to get jk simmons to say fuck boy on film because that's just brilliant <laughs> it was pretty fun yeah and it was funny for it was jake and i were talking about it how jake regrets that he didn't get to actually have it live because jk wasn't there that day shooting that right. scene. so i was having to do this terrible version of like i was reading the lines to him <laughs> while he did it and We got to hear him say it later, but uh, yeah, he's just excellent. Are you lingering? Don't linger. Stop the tape, please. I've tried so hard to get this all together. Please. Lee, I just loved your question about J.K. Simmons saying fuck boy. Like it was just (laughs) one of the most outrageous moments in the film I I just loved. (laughs) Brilliant. Should we wrap up our review of Ride the Eagle, Tim? Yes, Lee, go ahead. 
So there's something to be said for getting together with mates to do what you all love and create something special. Sometimes circumstances force filmmakers to find creative ways around obstacles and the result can be wonderfully down to earth, as in this case. I really admire that about Ride the Eagle. The story doesn't soar to great heights, but there is value in exploring the grey areas and relationships of life, as this movie demonstrates. I'm giving Ride the Eagle three and a half popcorn kernels out of five. Beautifully put, Lee. Well, what happened to you is not what's happening to you Mm. is a line of dialogue that resonated with me deeply. It's those little nuggets of beautiful script writing and storytelling that stand out in Ride the Eagle. This film is a sweet, endearing and very funny story that grounds itself in a relatable reality. So I'm going to rate Ride the Eagle three and a half popcorn kernels as well. Well, Ride the Eagle will be available in Queensland, Western Australia, South Australia, Tasmania and the Northern Territory from September 9 and in the ACT, Victoria and regional New South Wales cinemas from September 23. Make sure you check it out. And if you want to see our full interview with the writer-director of Ride the Eagle, Trent O'Donnell, head over to our YouTube channel to check it out. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening. And we'll catch you next time. If you enjoy our episodes, head over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe. While you're there, we would love you to rate us and leave a review. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Alexa, and where all good podcasts are found. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.